Hello and welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson. I'm here with Carolyn and Stacey Thomas. We're continuing on with our series of Proverbs. And we were speaking last podcast about how a wise person um, looks after their children. You know, they teach them, they train them the way that they should go. You know, they, they have love and concern for them. And we're going to continue on with that by looking at how a wise person disciplines their children. So when we discipline our children, you know, we, we're teaching them the way they should go. We're giving them safe boundaries for them to operate within. And we touched upon this last podcast, but, you know, we're primarily teaching our, our kids how to respond to authority. Because if our kids aren't disciplined, they don't know how to obey us. And how can we expect them to obey God, who's the ultimate authority? So you see this reflected in um, Proverbs. So Proverbs thirteen twenty four, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And Proverbs nineteen eighteen, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. You guys want to just jump in about... Disciplining our children? Well, uh, there's two forms of discipline. There's verbal correction and then physical discipline. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier. If I just read Proverbs 13, 1, first of all, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebuke. And we were talking earlier about how we have to be intentional in instructing and training our children. It's just not something that comes naturally. We're born with iniquity. They're born sinners. And so... If you're not intentionally instructing and training them, then it's not just going to happen by osmosis. And um, it's really important that we do that early and teach them early so that when they are older, they will respond and, you know, to, to rebuke and, and they'll still keep heeding your instruction. And, you know, obviously we've got to correct our children in a loving, godly manner and not be too harsh and say the wrong things. But, you know, I've also heard people, I've been in a situation where people where the child sort of argues back and then the parent gets frustrated and actually just backs off and, you know, doesn't bother with the child or, or you know, I'm not going to try and... You are wrong, clearly wrong, but the child's not accepting it and they just let the child, you know, they back off at that point. And I think it's really, really important that we realise that discipline, and if you look at the Hebrew words, there's two things that involves words, involves warnings and action. So it's not just words, you know, we can, um, obviously our first resort, you would be talking to them on a word. I'm not saying you go straight to smacking as your first resort, but there definitely has to be action come and follow up coming. If you're giving verbal warnings, speaking to them, and they're not changing their behavior and stopping what they're doing, then you do need to go to the next step. And I think that's really important that we, you know, realize that, um, so you've got to follow up with that. So again, as Lena read about sparing the rod and, you know, you hate your child. And notice that scripture, whoever spares the rod hates their children. It doesn't say that if you spare the rod, you've got the wrong opinion on discipline. It says you hate your children. And I've even heard Bible-believing Christians say that they don't believe in smacking. And that's anti-scripture. It's not pick and choose what suits you. Um, Proverbs 22, 15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. And so, as I said, we don't get to pick and choose which scriptures to apply based on whether or not we like them. Scripture is the inspired word of God. 
and some parents do find it difficult but if you smack properly and early then I know from personal experience that you don't have to do it often you know and I've even had Christian parents say to me oh I've tried it but it doesn't work still in my point go on <laughs> go on <laughs> well the Bible clearly says it does and you know I think there the problem is that they feel bad about doing it so they don't spank or smack properly and you know what it should hurt them it's okay for there to be tears, to produce tears, because if you don't hurt them, it's not actually disciplining. You're not talking about um, Yeah, and I'm not talking about, you know, abusive smacking or whatever. I'm talking about smacking in the correct way. It is. It should hurt them. If it doesn't hurt them, it's not going to have any consequence. So if that's your next step after the verbal warnings and you're not doing it effectively, then it's not going to be loving discipline because it's not effective. It's not modifying or changing their behavior. And, you know, just... um. Something that I personally don't like is the concept of time out because I believe you're not actually addressing the behaviour because in essence you're actually saying, well, if you want to behave like that, just do it over there or out of my sight. And um, I just I was reading some um, stuff on discipline on Focus on the Family and I just want to read you a quote because they explain it very well. A clear and controlled spanking is far less damaging to a child than the repeated yelling and screaming that a lot of parents go through. It's also far less damaging than, than the ambiguous boundaries and mixed messages a lot of parents give their children. When a child knows he's done something wrong, something that is clearly forbidden and is spanked for that wrong, then he's shown love, prayed with, restored and allowed to proceed with a clean conscience. He experiences much less trauma than the child whose parents don't know how to enforce discipline. In contrast, when a child is sent to his room or her room for a timeout, the measure of discipline is more protracted. The message usually isn't clear, the resolution is more often uncertain, and the opportunity to cleanse the conscience isn't immediate. There's less sense of closure. And I think that's really, you know, that's really important. I'd read something years ago, and I just couldn't find where I got it from, but, you know, spoke about that below. You know, as they get older, obviously, you know, teenager and older, you're not going to be necessarily spanking them at that age. If you do it young and early, you won't have to. And as they get older, there's other things, you know, loss of privileges and whatever that may be more appropriate. But, um, you know, for a young child, you don't try to reason with them. You just give them that, they get their punishment, their conscience is cleared. Like you said earlier, you pray with them afterwards, talk to them about it, talk about forgiveness, and it's finished and done, and, and that's a lot healthier. And um, really important that you give your children those boundaries and they feel secure when they actually have boundaries. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you look at the kids like later on in life who haven't had their boundaries, like they often feel like no one really cares about them because mm. they don't get in trouble if they do something wrong they just sort of keep pushing and nothing comes back and exactly what you said Lena they did a lot of survey on a lot of uh, teenage kids and that is one of the big things that came up kids have said that they didn't care about me because they let me do what I wanted yeah yeah, it might be all fun for a while, but I think deep yeah. down they're just going, well, does anyone really care about me? Yeah. Does anyone care if I hurt myself or yeah. what? Um, and I, I just wanted to go back to the point, what you said, Carolyn, is that um, think about what you're actually saying when you say that smacking doesn't work. So if the Bible makes it clear that children require physical discipline, if we say smacking doesn't work, we're actually saying the Bible isn't true. Yeah. Um, and we need to think about, well, maybe I'm just not doing it correctly. So if we're doing physical discipline, we're doing it consistently and correctly. So it's not too weak and it's not harsh. And if it's applied by both parents, mm -hmm. that is going to set our children straight. 
it's often that we're not doing it correctly or not consistent consistent in it yeah. it doesn't hurt both parents aren't doing it and that's often when you, know, you can say that smacking doesn't work yeah. is because it's not being applied correctly and what you said there doing it correctly and like i said it actually does involve pain there should be a sting of some sort your hand should sting. You know, yeah <laughs> but if, if they're not feeling it it's pointless isn't it it's not yeah. doing anything it just becomes a mockery and you know oh yeah means nothing it's to the funny. child sometimes i've like messed up my smacking and i've had to do it like a couple of times for it to hurt and by then they're just so upset that <laughs> I'm getting in so much trouble. Yeah. I've got multiple snacks. <laughs> I remember the one time that um, your son told me about how uh, the last time you tried to smack him, he, he was like, didn't even come close to hurting you, and he just laughed at you, and you never smacked him. <laughs> and that was probably, I mean, he still would have had the belts and stuff from David right up 19, you know, up, at, up those ages, so that would have been a year later, but yeah. But the big thing is you really, you know, we did it from, I think, two days old. He was Hyam and David, but there it was just to give him a bit of a, you know, it was on the nappy, so it didn't sting, but it was just that bit of a front to just stop, yeah, you know. Doing. Um, and, and, and definitely I can absolutely attest to that. You do it properly where it does actually sting them. And, and like you say, that consistency and don't threaten to do it and then not do it. Oh, that's you have nice. to follow through. Yeah. I think sometimes, sorry to interrupt, but sometimes it, it in I see in our family can go wrong when one parent is in the middle of doing and then if the other one comes in, I've just said that's your last warning yeah. and then the other one and then it gets messed up then and then you get that mixed message yeah. and the I've given you my last warning but then someone takes over and it's all different, you know, that's like a lot of the time where it can go wrong is when you don't have that yeah, consistency. Yeah, and, and I mean, you have to be so careful there. Like you say, I mean, you might not realise it's happened, but they also learn very quickly to manipulate you and play you up against each other. Um, and, and it's just that, you know, to have those disagreements, even about discipline or whatever, just not anywhere near here, oh, shot. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's so important. And also, just like I said, that follow up is so important. Uh, you have to as well, we talked earlier about verbal correction first, but you have to follow up with that. So if you keep telling them and you know, if I get to three or whatever, I'm going to smack you. You need to make sure that that happens. Otherwise, even that raising your voice or whatever just means nothing to them because there's nothing at the end of that. So you yeah. might be raising your voice to them over and over and saying, just stop that, stop that, but nothing comes of it. And that's why we need to transition to that. And um, yeah, so it's just that consistency. Mm. I was just going to come back to the verbal correction that I think it's very important to realise that our words have such power that we can't be doing it in our own anger. Mm. Um, you know, we have to have a restraint on, on how we we discipline and how we do it. You know, we can tell them no and then follow with the smacking, but we need to be aware that our words can cut deeper than we yeah, realise, yeah. and then that's when wounding follows. I'm sure there's many of things that happen because um, to, to myself and to Lena, because, you know, someone said something out of anger, and, you know, we, we've kind of reacted badly and there's kind of been a wound that's developed there. So it's important to realise. And that, that is, like, crucial. And, and that almost is an argument in favour of smacking. you got to... I know you've got to calm down and not do that in anger definitely as well. But you find a lot of parents, it's just verbal, 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 and then it escalates and they get frustrated and the kid's still going on and whatever. And then your anger builds and that's where you're likely to say something. Whereas... You just have a rule, 
but I've said it once, I've said it twice, you're still not listening, here's your snake, and they know what's coming, your follow through is consistent, there's less likely that you are actually going to get that point of frustration mm. where you actually are saying those things or, you know, raising your voice in anger. Mm. Um, when Charlie was a baby, we didn't really realise that babies could throw tantrums, <laughs> and we would be up, like, the middle of the night with this baby, like, screaming his head off, and we're giving him Panadol, and, oh, it must be teething. Teething is, like, the excuse every parent gives for any or they're tired, they haven't had this And we didn't realise, and it wasn't until we were like, okay, this is not, he's not right. We need to apply some discipline mm-hmm. um, and train this child because he was just keeping us up five, you know, waking us up five, six times a night or whatever it was. It was ridiculous. And it was our parenting and not setting boundaries and yeah. rules and that behaviour is not acceptable in our home. You're going to go to bed now. And who, I mean, and, you know, you, or your first child and you don't know, you do look at this sweet little innocent thing and you're not going to be thinking, oh, this child is actually yeah. manipulating. And they do from birth. Yeah, they know. You know, they know what they're doing. Or like you're saying, that, that screaming and it gets that, the Bible talks about fits of rage. They get into a fit of rage and they just carry on screaming and you yeah. don't realise and you think, oh, no, yeah, like you say, your first go-to, something's wrong. And sometimes, no, it's just you being damn naughty and having a tantrum. Yeah. And I think some people will be quite um, shocked by that. Yeah. But that's all come from the curse. That's the that's the sin that we have um, inherited yeah. from the curse. So yeah. um, a child is born into sin. Yeah. So um, people need to be aware of that as well. Yeah, no. They've got this sinful nature and they don't. I mean, I've had parents at school where I've talked to them about the kids, maybe six, seven-year-olds, and had to actually say they are manipulating you. And I've had some parents like, you know, like, no, they, I don't I believe they're lying they or they're that. not manipulating. They are. They're born, you know, we're born in iniquity and we do do it. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's hard to come to that realisation and the thing is that, you know, I see at the moment as well, it looks to me like a trend, and I've seen it as well in Christian families, which disturbs me, um, where they're just letting kids scream. It mm. almost seems to be the new fashion that if they scream, oh, well, we just chill out and ignore it and just let them scream. But that's that's not acceptable, and particularly in light of the scripture, it talks about fits of rage. To me, when they're just screaming like that, it goes into a fit of rage, or it can go. And the problem is where there's strong emotion, that is where you open a door for Satan to come in or demonic interference to come in. So allowing them to get into those fits of rage is not healthy for their well-being at all. Mm. I agree. All right, is there anything else you wanted to say about discipline? All right, let's move on. Just do it. (laughs) In in the words of Nike. (laughs) Um, just life is much more pleasant. Like I can't stress it enough. When I see parents that have just got these kids and it's they're not enjoying them, I just think it does not have to be like this. You do not have to have the arguing back and forth. Yeah. It really doesn't have to be like that. The kid having the meltdown in the shopping yeah, trolley just, and everything. Oh, they're so embarrassed. Like um, all right. A wise person provides for their needs. So a wise person provides for both their physical and spiritual needs of their children. Okay, should we talk about providing for us the physical needs? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so I will have a look at uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty, 
It says the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So we know uh, David's not a fool, hey? <laughs> <laughs> Slowest no, eater ever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and I'll um and Proverbs twenty seven twenty three to twenty seven says, "Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Be careful. Uh, give careful attention to your herds." For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing, and goats with the price of a field. You have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. So this is obviously saying that, you know, it's all, it's all there for you. You've ga- gathered it. You need to provide that. To your family, so providing is not just. Um, sorry, Carolyn, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say with what you're saying there. It's just uh, I think to me that scripture basically, in a nutshell, saying don't just live for now, for today only. Yeah. You know, you've got to be prudent. You've got to provide. Yeah, and, yeah. riches do not endure forever. Yeah, yeah. So it's not going to sit around, and I mean, you don't you don't die with money in your pocket, do you? And you can't take that with you. Yeah. So you need to um, teach teach your children that and they, they, they need to be prudent with what they have but you they still need to be able to learn from that and, and use it in an appropriate way. So being a good steward as well, hey? Because mm. uh, yeah, I've just put in the extra scripture, Proverbs 13, 22, says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And um, just thinking about that, you know, leaving an inheritance for your children's children I was just thinking about those ads that come on TV where it talks about, oh, we, you know, it shows like a couple, say my age and David's age or a bit older, where, oh, we aren't now, you know, it jokes about we're spending the kids' inheritance. And I just thought, you know, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with enjoying some of your money, but I just thought of that scripture, how that just, you know, flies against the whole faith of that scripture, which would be talking about prudence and... Yep, looking beyond yourself. Yeah, yeah, leaving a legacy. Yeah, I think that scripture is like a warning and encouragement to to actually know the condition of our flocks and know the condition of our family at all times and be able to provide for them both physically and spiritually. And that's part of that looking beyond yourself, looking beyond, you know, setting your children up so they can go further than what you have and your children's children can go further than what they have. Yeah. you were going to say? Oh, I was just in um, uh, the second part of verse 24. It says, a crown is not secure for all generations. When you look at royalty where it comes and goes, it doesn't always stick to a bloodline. You know, it, it sometimes it's cut across and there's an issue there. So saying... You say when it didn't steward well. Yeah, it's you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's deviated from the path and it hasn't... It's it's come from this heritage, and then all of a sudden it's now this heritage. So don't take anything for granted, basically. You've still got to care and look after things. And, yeah. Mm. Um, and it is our responsibility to manage our household wells. You know, that yeah. all that we're in our care, um, and it's our responsibility to ensure our children have all that they need. That, you know, they're kept well to the best of our ability, and I don't think that means that they have the best yeah, of everything no. in the worldly sense. But we manage our households well so that in the fat and the lean times, we can keep them in food and clothes and what they need. Mm.
And then, um, you know, if we, we think about uh, caring for our children, like you said, we've got to care for their physical needs, but how much more spiritually as well? Mm-hmm. We have to care and give them a spiritual heritage. Proverbs 14.26 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. And I love that. So your godliness as parents, your fear of the Lord as parents is going to result in blessings, not just for yourselves, but for your children as well. And, um, you know, the... the, the Proverbs 27 says, the righteous lead blameless lives, blessed are their children after them. And, and I love that, that, mm. you know, my faith and my walk is giving my children and my grandchildren blessing as well. And the Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is a strong tower and our children can find refuge there as well. But then again, going back to what we said before, it's up to us to actually train our children to fear the Lord and to teach them about these promises, to teach them about his ways and, you know, his character. Yeah, and that's our responsibility. What we do in our life is going to determine whether our yeah. children receive a blessing or a curse. Yeah, oh. there's, there's generational sin, but there's also generational blessing. blessing. Yeah, and that's definitely. even more. Like that's God just says, a thousand yeah. generations, and you know, the sin will be to the fourth generation. Yeah. So I love that. I love that my grandchildren are going to be blessed because of my walk with the Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's awesome. But even there as well, I'll still have a role in carrying on that spiritual heritage and, you know, speaking mm. into my grandchildren as well and teaching them to love the Word of God for themselves. Yeah, that's exciting. It always really saddens me at school where, um, you know, we have religion and the parents have to give consent before the children can do religion because it's Christian. And um, I just always feel sad where you get some parents will say, oh, well, I'm letting them, they can decide for themselves. Make their own decision. Five or six years old, you need to consciously train them, you know. And one of the mums as well, parent-teacher interview the other day, said to me, oh, yeah, you know, the kid came home and said, oh, my teacher said God made everything. I think she was referring to the religion teacher, but, I mean, I do also talk to them about God, but... Um, you know, I think the mum took it to me and then she's like, no, I told her that's not true, you know, and I just felt so sad. Yeah. And they don't, yeah, they don't realise, they're like, just think they're leaving a vacuum and the kid yeah. will decide. No, you're training them yeah. to not follow God. Yeah, exactly. You're training them to be... <laughs> Giving them no spiritual uh, heritage. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like I often say to the ladies, I'd love to see if we could do some sort of computer-generated hologram or program that shows how much time we invest in our physical body and how much food we give it and often to the point of it can be overweight and whatever. And if we had to just do a scan of the spirit, what would the spirit look like in contrast, you know? So it's so important that we're caring about all these things for our kids and, and, you know, but what are we doing spiritually? Mm. We have to have our own solid foundation of Christ. And we will answer that as well. Even though our kids will answer as, you know, if they grow as adults, they'll answer for themselves, but we're still going to answer as well for what we've done with mm. them and training them. Um, and I have often puzzled about the scripture, you know, Proverbs 22, 6, start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. You know, just like watching people who've grown up in church, um, just in adulthood, just completely depart from that path and God Ben's you know often struggled like well that scripture says this but you know if you if you truly follow the Lord as a disciple and you're not just simply playing lip service if you're actually being intentional about teaching um your kids you know to follow the Lord then that's where you're going to see that change 
That's interesting because I was just mentioning about that to David before. I've always just taken that as, you know, a promise and, you know, I've held on to it. But I was just reading in the commentary the other day that it actually says that that isn't actually a promise. It's just a principle. General principle. General principle, but it's not given and meant to be taken as a promise. Well, I guess that everyone has but their I'd own... But I'd still rather take it as a promise, <laughs> you know. But everyone just... makes their own choices. Yeah, yeah. But I think you see time and time again that people whose parents are disciples and choose to follow the Lord, they will... Yeah, generally. And yeah. Because yeah. I have puzzled about that as well. And thought, oh, you know, And then you also get some people that will put their head in the sand take and say, oh, well, the Word says that, and I brought them up. They've gone off the rails now, but I know at the end God will bring them back or whatever, but it's, you know, no. it's not. And Scripture, you know, it would appear contradictory, but I think that explained, I can't remember the other words that it said in the commentary, but it did explain it well. Not that I really wanted to think of it like that. It's just... You know, it, it says it's not to be taken as an actual Every promise. It's, you know, but, yeah, but, but you it's see a general that as the principle that generally if you do that, most or you know, will get results. But, yeah. um, we're going to wrap it up there. So we've just, we've looked at what a wise person, how they raise their children, you know, they, they train them to follow the law, they discipline them, you know, verbal and physical discipline. And all this is about teaching our kids how they can have a true relationship with God and that they can follow and obey God all the days of their life. Um, hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website, www.life-house.net. And we encourage you too to go check out our other podcasts. We've got a great podcast on um, end times. We've got one on spiritual warfare. And um, at the moment, we're, we're working on building up a, um, a Lifehouse TV with a, a YouTube channel so you can get more teaching. So watch this space. Um, we'll talk to you next time. Enjoy your week.